We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're brought to you by the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pett. And Jason, we're talking about the Bulls on a three-game winning streak. The Bulls earning the W against the Philadelphia 76ers last night, 109-105 in double OT, a low-scoring, grinded-out game, the sort of game that the Bulls have been losing all year. They finally found a way to win this one. It is the first time they've ever beaten Joel Embiid, who is 12-0 against the Bulls in his career. Embiid fouled out late in the second overtime, which sort of allowed the Bulls an opportunity to steal that game. Uh, the win moves the Bulls to 34-37 and on the year, and you're up to the minute play in standings have the bulls at number 10 with a two game cushion over the Washington wizards with for the bulls, at least 11 games to play bulls looking like they are in good shape potentially to make the play in tournament. Uh, but you know, if they're get the number 10 seed, that means they have to win two games just to make it two games to earn a first round matchup with the Bucks. If there's one team the Bulls do not want to see in the postseason, it is the Bucks because that will not be a very fun reward for winning two playing games. But, Jason, the Bulls are only a game behind the sinking Atlanta Hawks for the eighth seed. So, potentially, if the Bulls can get into that eighth seed by the end of the regular season, they can earn the seventh seed by winning one game in the play-in tournament and thus a first-round matchup with either the Boston Celtics or these Philadelphia 76ers. So, Jason, Bulls are on a little bit of a surge right now. With Pat Bev, they're 8-4 and four since they signed Pat Bev. The vibes are better. The team is playing very good defense, number five in the league in defensive efficiency. The offense still kind of stinks, but at least we're finally getting some good games from Levine, DeRozan, and Vucevic at the same time. They all went over 20 points last night. 
Uh, and, you know, this is sort of a weird, like, malaise part of the NBA season. But the Bulls have, you know, they've earned some good wins. They won at Denver. They beat Miami at home. They beat Minnesota at home in double overtime without Anthony Edwards, without Carl Anthony Towns. Jason, to start it off, are you buying or selling this recent bull surge as perhaps the team playing its best ball at the right time? I mean, I would say they're definitely, I would say they're buying that they're like, they have, they're better. Pat Bev has made them better a bit more than I think either of us would have thought. Um, Do I think that like, they're all of a sudden going to go on some like, whatever, finish the season, like insanely strong and like go on a deep playoff run. Like, like, Obviously, like Boston had a much longer whatever stretch of games last year where they went from garbage to they were like the most dominant team in the league. Like the back half of last season, they made the NBA finals and most people thought they would win. They lost. But still, do I think that's going to happen? No. Like, as you mentioned, this is like a weird part of the season where like whatever, a lot of teams are just kind of like get us to the playoffs and we'll get in like that. Like the Denver, the Denver win was, I mean, a legit, very good win going to win in Denver. Who's They've only lost whatever, a handful of games are all season. Um, but like that was the start of a Nuggets four game losing streak where like they were just kind of, again, in a malaise, good word to use there, malaise. And like the game yesterday, the Bulls have never beaten Joel Embiid. So like going on the road and be- winning in Philly, who was on an eight game winning streak, he never beaten Joel Embiid. It's obviously a great win. Uh, and like they flustered, the, the Sixers had been like the best offense in the NBA, I think for, since for a while, I can't remember the exact number. And the Bulls held them to 105 in two overtimes. We saw James Harden have maybe the worst game of his season. Uh, and he's been just like atrocious against the Bulls this season. He's like under in three games. I think he's like sub 20% shooting. I was just tweeting about this, how the Bulls actually did play the Sixers in the playoffs. Like I certainly would not expect them to win, but that'd be hilarious if they did because James Harden shot like 15% from the field. Like he has against the Bulls. Like I am buying kind of that. They, they're clearly better. You can't, whatever, but you play 12 games and, um, I mean, like I said, their defensive rating has been like elite with Beverly. Their offense has been better. Um, so like clearly better. Do I think do I think this is like the sign of some like incredible turnaround that's coming and like going into the playoffs? No. I mean, if, I mean, the last I mean, two of these wins go to double overtime, total coin flip, coin flip games. I mean, they should have lost that Timberwolves game, a game where the Timberwolves did not. They lost Anthony Edwards early. They still don't have cat. Rudy Gobert fouls out. You pull it out in double overtime at home when Gobert misses two free throws late. Torian Prince had the worst turnover I've seen in years in the first overtime that if he doesn't turn that over, the Timberwolves might easily win that game. So like toss up game Bulls win. And then this other game, this Sixers game, missed another toss-up game where, again, you make just enough plays and you pull it out. Like if those games go differently, I mean, they're six and six with Beverly. Of course, they've, they've lost. They've also lost some games like that too, where a few plays go differently. They uh, and they losing. Maybe that turns into a win. So it's kind of all evening it out. And the way the numbers have looked, like they do look much better. But again, I think this is part of some March weirdness. Uh, some just clutch luck going their way and a few just a game a few games that just haven't all season. Um, and that Beverly has legit made them better. And like and Zach is playing great. Damar has kind of turned things around recently after his rough stretch where he was dealing with an injury. I mean, the Timberwolves game, he had what 49 points. Uh, I think he had another 40 point game against the Kings, although they lost that game, but he had a huge game against the Kings. He's generally just been much better. He had some clutch shots last night against the Sixers. So ultimately, like I'm definitely hedging here. If like you're, if, if the question is, do I buy the Bulls going on a big run? Like, 
No, I do not think that's going to happen. Are they clearly better? And like, does it seem like they're clearly going to make the play in tournament? Yes. The Wizards suck. They're fading. The Pacers are fading. They just blew like a 20 point game lead against the Hornets the other night. The Wizards, I think they're three and seven, their last 10 Bulls now have this cushion here. I think they are clearly at least getting 10. They have a chance to get nine highest. They can get really right now is eight heading into the play. And where again, if they got eight, they could, they would play either what Miami or Brooklyn, whoever on the road, uh, in that first game and have a chance to win and get the seven seed uh, or whatever. They get nine or 10. You have to win two games then. Obviously, if you're trying to get in the playoffs, getting up to seven or eight would or getting up to eight would be ideal. So you only need the one. So you get the one chance and a win and you're in. Um, we'll see. There's a lot. And there's what, 11 games left. There's still some tough games. I mean, they got Philly coming up again tomorrow. They go on the road to Portland. I know Portland has been awful and they're kind of falling apart. We'll see if they shut Dame down, but winning in Portland will still be tough. They got the Lakers twice coming up. Still no LeBron, but still Lakers are a desperate team as well. They need wins. They got the Clippers on the road. They got Dallas on the road. So they got the Milwaukee left at least one more time. Still a bunch of tough games left. So like, if I had to guess right now, like the Bulls are with 34 and 37. They'll probably, that they would finish with probably 39 or maybe 40 wins, um, which would probably, again, we'll put them right 8, 9, 10, somewhere. There. It's, all these teams are really bunched up right now, so... How do you think? What are you are you feeling? Are you buying the Bulls resurgence? Yeah, I think you nailed it pretty much. Uh, one thing we know about this Bulls season is that they have been really bad in the clutch. I looked up their record in the clutch today because I actually went on uh, Bernstein and Lawrence Holmes. Oh, nice. So I was with them earlier, so I was you know actually preparing and trying to get the number <laughs> fourteen and twenty three in the clutch. But they've gone three and three in the clutch the last six clutch games. So a lot of this season has been like the Bulls can get these games to a coin flip, but then they just lose the coin flip. Yeah. Part of that is because the team isn't that good and is fatally flawed in some ways. And part of that is just probably bad luck, right? That's part. It's always part of it, I feel like, in crunch time or a lot of it. So now, you know, they found themselves on the right side of the coin a few times and that has helped them. But another thing that jumps out to me, Jason, if you sort the league by net rating or by point differential, the Bulls are the 11th best team in the entire NBA by both those stats, by point differential and net rating. And typically, that is supposed to be the truest sign of how good a team is, much more so than their win-loss record. What is their point differential? The Bulls, by point differential, the 11th best team in the league. The Bulls, by winning percentage, are the 21st best team in the league. So it's just been that kind of season for the Bulls. It's been very frustrating. And, you know, we've, I have sat on this podcast quite often and said, this team fucking sucks. Blow this team up. I hate everyone. But, you know, they're 11th in the league and not rating. So that's pretty good. So I think that, you know, hopefully some of that is starting to balance itself out now. And I just think back to last season, Jason, when last season was a lot of fun for a while, and then it ended on such a bummer note. The Bulls sucked shit after the All-Star break. Uh, they got hammered in the first round of the playoffs, and basically the team just got like worse and worse as the year went on. Yeah, because they were getting also, blown out. Like every game against a good team, they were getting blown out. And that's obviously not happening now. They're winning some games. They're staying competitive in most games. I mean, they haven't been blown out. I guess they kind of got blown out by the Suns, but even that game was pretty close for the most part. Uh, that game I was at, they lost by 21, but like it was close, I think, going into the fourth quarter. So like 
they've been competitive in most of these games and went beating some good teams, which was literally just not never happening at the end of last season. They were getting their ass beat. Like, um, I mean, it's kind of crazy. They beat my, I know Miami's not as good this year, but they swept that season series against Miami last year. They were like hopeless against the heat. They had no idea how to like score against their D Miami's defense. Uh, and this year they kind of own the heat every single game. And because that could be one of the, that could be a play in matchup. Not like if they went on the road to Miami for the, like a seven, eight play in, like I would probably still think Miami would win, but like he'd have been kind of garbage this year too. Like they're kind of in a similar and the, the bulls beat him <laughs> three times this season, I think. So like, uh, yeah, you can go, go ahead. You took the point out of my mouth that yeah, like last year they couldn't be good teams as well. So this year I'm hoping for an inverse of last year. They're closing strong after the all-star break they're actually able to beat good teams and the final piece is like let's see a non-pathetic playoff performance because last <laughs> yeah. year that was against the bucks and if they play the bucks again they're not going to be able to compete they're going to get yeah. steamrolled because they don't have the size uh or the shooting to have a chance against milwaukee yeah but i do think maybe they could have a chance against boston and boston has been sputtering a bit after they, they have really- Start. Joe Missoula may be in a little bit over his head. He's younger than me and you, dude. Like, <laughs> you know about this NBA coaching life. Uh, in Philly, I would think would probably beat the Bulls pretty easily, but maybe the Bulls can make that a little bit more competitive. Maybe six games there. I don't know. Anyways, inverse of last year, baby. Closing strong, getting better. You know, Jason, life is all about getting better, learning from your mistakes, internal <laughs> improvement, development. And the Bulls are giving us some of that. And I do think Patrick Beverly plays kind of a pathetically critical role. <laughs> it is pathetic. Patrick Beverly should not be this important. No. But a couple of things about Patrick Beverly. He can like dribble, pass, and shoot at like a B minus level for an NBA guard. And that is pretty important for the Bulls. He took eight threes yesterday. He made two. But even just taking eight, I'm like, good. At least someone can get up eight. Yeah. Oh, couldn't get up eight in two weeks. I couldn't <laughs> get up eight in a week. You know what I mean? So being able to attempt eight in one game, even though it's because the opposing defense is obviously ignoring <laughs> you on purpose and begging you to take those shots. Well, at least Pat will take them. And he's not dribbling it into turnovers like half the other guys on this team. So that helps. I also think that like, Pat Bev did a pretty good job in Harden last night. Like, I don't think Pat Bev gets full credit for Harden going playoff mode and shooting two of 14 against the Bulls. But Bev is an irritant for sure. And he's been pretty decent uh, in terms of, you know, his on-ball defense. He also knows the tricks of the trade in terms of how to get under the guy's skin, how to be a pest. No one's better than that than Pat Bev. I think the Bulls needed some of his, like, vocal leadership a little bit. Again, pathetic. I don't want to, yeah. like, credit. Patrick Beverly's vocal leadership for changing the team, but like maybe the Bulls needed someone to fucking yell at him. So Pat Bev, uh, he has added some things to the team. Oh, one more. How about his ability to grab 50-50 balls? The Bulls have been losing 50-50 balls the whole year. Pat Bev has three double-digit rebounding I was going to say rebounding, yeah. His rebounding has been really good, and a lot of that is just like, okay, the ball's up in the air off a missed three. 50-50 ball, who's going to get it? And Pat Bev's been able to get possession on a lot of those shots. So I do think Bev has been solid. And then the other thing that I think has helped the Bulls is like the all-star break was pretty rejuvenating for both Levine 
and for DeRozan. Like DeRozan's February numbers were awful. Look him up. He averaged 18 points a game. It was his first like truly bad month since he signed with the Bulls. Everyone's been noticing Levine since the All-Star break. He's averaging like 30s, hitting like 50% of his threes. But DeRozan was coming off the quad injury, and I think that the the All-Star break was good for him as well. The rest, obviously, great for Zach. And against the Sixers, one of my main takeaways, Zach Levine, just good all-around game. I thought his defense was really good. His passing was awesome. He threw some really sharp entry passes. Uh throughout the game when the Sixers switched. And one nice thing about Vooch, Vooch can punish a mismatch. Now, they talk about it on the broadcast all the time, to the point where you want <laughs> yeah. to clean it out. But, like, he can do it. And, like, Wendell Carter, for as much as we may miss Wendell, you know, if Wendell had a guard on him, was Wendell going to be able to punish the mismatch and get you two points? Like, I don't know. Not really. I didn't have much faith in him doing that. But Vooch can do it. Vooch can take advantage of a smaller defender. He can go up and uh, finish strong. So as long as Vooch's shooting holds, which I feel like is less of a share bet, Vooch has been pretty solid too. And by the way, he's playing the most important defensive position on the number five defense in the league, even though by the advanced stats, by like EPM, Vooch breaks out horribly. (laughs) But I mean, he's playing a lot of minutes. He plays like basically every game, right? Yeah. And top five defense with him playing the most critical position at center. So I think that the team is... A little better. It just shows that Karnaschovas's trade deadline press conference, where he was like, "Actually, adding players makes you worse." And <laughs> it's like, no, dude, they had to do something. Yeah. And even getting Beverly, who's like a pretty minor addition, has maybe played you know a pretty big role in helping the team get a little bit better. And when they were already just like having a positive point differential, but losing all the time, they only needed to get a little bit better to reach their most realistic expectations for this season without Alonzo. So, uh, Bulls, you know, a little better. And it's, fun to <laughs> and it's made the end of the season pretty exciting. Now, I'm sure. How do you feel about this, Jason? So, like, I was tweeting about some of this shit yesterday. And people on Twitter were like, Ricky, like, this is what you would tweet if you were being held hostage because you should be losing these games to improve their lottery chances. And they were, like, two weeks ago, pretty damn close to the fifth spot in the lottery, yeah. which would have given them, like, a 42% chance to keep the pick. And, of course, that is really the only thing that will save the Bulls in the long term would be some real lottery luck. Uh, but I can't root against the team you know, like root form to lose. Like if that's the case, right. I can't watch. If I'm gonna watch, you gotta just like you know. I don't hate this team the way I maybe <laughs> some of the boiling era teams. I want them to do well, but you know, are they sort of? I don't know what the metaphor for this is here, but like they're sort of uh, sabotaging their long term interests in hope of some doomed short term interests. Yeah, how do you feel about it? Yeah, this is this is uh, that's a good transition because I, I have like been kind of going back and forth. The way I feel like I see it is like I was like in the moment kind of annoyed that they won the Timberwolves game because I did not think they deserved to win that game. Uh obviously DeMar was awesome and Zach was both awesome, but like they probably should have lost that game multiple times. And it's like that kind of game where it's like you're facing this whatever super short-handed Timberwolves team at home, and like you're gonna like whatever lose this game, like really like. That would have just been like another nail in the like if they would have actually lost that game like they should have like that might have been like a season ending loss like this whole 
we're not talking about this on this podcast. Like, who knows if they go and beat Miami the next night? And like, will they have the juice to beat the Sixers yesterday? I don't know. Like, losing that kind of game would have been brutal for them in double OT or in single OT. Either one of them. If they would have lost that game to the Timberwolves, that would have dropped them to what, like seven games under 500 again or six games under just a brutal loss on the front end of a back a back to back. And like, maybe they then lose Miami. Like, that could have been a loss that just totally sends them down the drain and you get that draft status. So it's like, was I kind of annoyed in the moment that they w- pulled that game out when they probably didn't really deserve it? Maybe they kind of, because DeMar and Zach did hit a bunch of big shots. Yes, but like, if they're going to come out and like play really well, like they did against Miami, I mean, they were up, they did almost blow that Miami game too, but whatever. They controlled that game basically the entire time. They were up almost 30 at one point. The game against the Sixers yesterday, the Sixers were awful, but like the Bulls played good defense. And while some of that is the Sixers being being bad, like 20 turnovers and Harden having the worst game of the season, like if the Bulls are going to come out and play well, play play hard, play good defense and win these games, like you really can't be like, you can't complain. They're not going to come out and try to lose games. It's just like not how it works. So like, if it's games where they're like being handed handed wins uh, by like shitty teams, like whatever. But I mean, if you're beating good teams and like playing well in the process, like you can't really be mad at that. Even though I do have some big picture concerns here. Like if the Bulls do finish decent here and whatever, put up a fight in the first. Like, do I think this is like changing their first round playoff outlook if they make it? No. Like we talk about the Bucks will probably fucking bash their brains in if that matchup happens again. The Celtics and Sixers would probably beat them as well. Probably a better chance. I want I want them to play the Celtics uh, just because they're fun to make fun whatever, not make fun of, but fun to root against the Celtics. I don't really want to watch a Sixers series because I don't want to watch Embiid and Harden parade to the free throw line, even though Harden has been awful against the Bulls. But I, I just don't want to see that. I feel like a Bulls-Celtics series could at least be some fun to watch just aesthetically. Fun to root against Boston. I love saying the fuck Boston mantra. Your Bulls in six mantra. Bring back the old column. The old bloggable or espionation column uh, about the Bulls and six when they played the Boston one of the last times in the playoffs. So, like, do I think the Bulls are going to, like, whatever, again, go on a big run and, like, win a first round playoff series? No. So, like, but if they do, like, look better here down the stretch and, like, look okay in a, in a play, first round playoff loss, like, do I have concerns in that they do double down on this core and, like, oh, well, like, all they needed was, like, Patrick Beverly here and, like, then we'll start next year with like this basically the same team with some other minor changes. I do have some concerns about that because then in that case, they have no draft picks at all. They're not getting the Blazers pick. They don't, they're definitely, they definitely lose the magic pick. So it's like, what changes would they make? Like, would they, would they really just run this back and think like, Oh, you know, we played, we finished the season. Well, like we're just going to run that into next season. I do have some concerns that they use like a, a decent finish here, strong finish, whatever you want to call it. Um, to like look towards the future and kind of double down on this group. Um, so that is like my minor concern here. Major yeah, concern, I, minor concern, whatever we want to call it. Because again, we haven't even, we have not talked about the Lonzo thing yet. He underwent a, th- a third surgery. He is not probably not going to play next season. He might not play again. I mean, the way that's being reported is, which we've kind of talked about, we've kind of been operating under like Lonzo Ball's not playing again. And the way they're reporting, it's like, it's almost like an experimental surgery where like they're hoping that he can play again at some point in the future but it's probably not going to be next season so like lonzo is just totally out of the picture but like do they just kind of be like oh well, we're going to use like our our mid-level exception on patrick beverly and just run this whole thing back and just like assume that again maybe another step from pat and maybe you add like one or one or two other small pieces is just going to get the job done like i have concerns that that will happen and that that it's just not going to work out because they've they've honestly gotten decent health look outside of lonzo this season um 
I mean, Vooch, DeMar, and Zach have played almost every game. Patrick Williams, I believe, has played every game or close to it. Uh, they obviously lost Javante for a while, but they've had some pretty good health luck. So, like, I would, be again, be very concerned about them running this team back next season uh, with DeMar and Vooch a year older. Uh, obviously not really worried about Zach, but are you worried about them doing that? Or do you think that they re- recognize that they probably still, like, the thing that the move would have to be, like, whatever. You need to get a, a new point guard, I feel like, somehow. Beverly, bring him back for sure if you want to. Like, obviously, he has had an impact on this team. If you want to bring him back, I don't know how much he's going to cost, like a 35-year-old Patrick Beverly. Uh, but that is definitely a concern of mine. And, and obviously, that's that's tough to just balance here. Because, yeah, like, if you don't want them to tank, like, you want them to make the playoffs here, and you want them to, whatever, do as well as they can. But it is still probably too late that just, like, they're probably still doomed here. And then that, but then they kind of use this going into the future as like, Oh, well, this actually is totally fine. Like the roster is fine. You'll you'll worry about it. At least I do. Do you worry about it? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. Totally. Uh, but a couple of things. One, like, no matter what we're rooting for, like, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, it's not going <laughs> to influence whether they win or lose right. the game. Of course. It's not like my choice. Like, yeah. what's in the best long term interest of their team? It would be to capitalize on a 42% chance or whatever percent chance to keep your lottery pick and to get a top four pick and to add a serious talent because the only thing that's going to save them is lottery luck. So, yeah, that would be in the best long-term interest of the team eventually trying to win a championship. 
In the short term interest, I think it's just like, can you give us a team that's fun to watch and can like not embarrass the city of Chicago <laughs> as the Bulls have done at times since me and you started this podcast? And they do have, you know, like Zach and Demar, not the best superstar duo at all, but they give you a chance in most games, right? And that's yeah. kind of all you can ask for. When you're the Bulls and your only aspiration is to be the eighth seed in the cha- in the playoffs. And that's one thing that kind of uh, would make me mad is I feel like, you know, if the Bulls get in to the playoffs, Bulls management and Bulls ownership is going to tell itself this was a successful season. We yeah, absolutely. Especially with where they were like, oh, we made this comeback from whatever, seven games under 500 and we got in the playoffs like. Looks like, and we got we over. We made this change with the roster, and it looks good now. Like we're just going to roll this with this forward. Um, which I mean, you could also argue that just like you might not have any other choice, I guess. But again, like doubling down with like whatever big deals for they Vooch do, they do have another choice. Though. I they mean, do. You know, they could trade Vooch. They could trade Demar. They could trade Zach. They could trade anyone. So they're not as locked into this roster as Arturis Karnaschovas would like to tell you they are. <laughs> uh. I hope they don't trade their 2027 pick. Right. That's the, I think that's, again, the concern. Like, they just double down on this. It's like, all right, we bring back Booch. DeMar stays, Zach. They all stay. And then they use the 2027 pick to whatever. Try to add another, like, marginal piece to the rotation. You bring back Beverly. Again, bring back Beverly. Totally fine, I think. I think either way, even if they go into a rebuild, I think having Beverly around would be totally fine. It says whatever. Veteran guy, Chicago guy. To me, I don't care. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, I said it'd be fine. Like, do I think he needs to happen? Like, no. He pro- If the Bulls rebuild, he probably wants to go somewhere to actually win at the end of his career. But um, yeah. I digress. Next but. year, they would definitely need to find a point guard. Yeah. It can't be that. They need to find a serious point guard upgrade. And then, like, I don't know what you do with Vooch. Like, I would like to see them with more of a rim protector, but they got the number five defense in the league. It's so weird. Playing pretty well. Yeah. I got respect for Vooch. I'm I'm not, like, the biggest Vooch fan, but I respect his game. I mean, his, just his ability to, like, give it to smaller uh, perimeter players when they're switched on to him. Like, it's just nice to have. And the availability. That. I mean, he has played, I think, every game this season. Yeah. And he's been playing pretty big minutes. Like, he's he is... Has he... I had like any health problems. I feel like since he joined the Bulls, I feel like he just generally plays all the time, and he plays and yeah. he just doesn't miss that many games. So like yeah. availability is like a nice kind of like thing to have. So let me I'm looking up his stats right now. He played, I guess he missed some games last year, but 73 games last year. He's on track to play every game this season. Like that's pretty good. I mean, like one of the issues with Wendell Carter Jr. was that he just misses time every season. He's always hurt. Um, and like, sometimes that's unfair. Sometimes it's fluky, but the guy's been hurt all the time. So like, not, I don't want to be taking shots at Wendell, but like Vooch's availability has at least been like something of an asset to the bulls. Uh, because like, I don't know if you're playing like drum into huge minutes, like that's going to be a big problem or you're like, I mean, shout out to Derek Jones jr. Yesterday, but like, is he, I mean, he hasn't been playing much lately. He comes in game saving block plus 13 off the bench. I think he had 10 points, but like, you, you can't be like you can't be relying on those guys playing huge minutes. So Vooch playing huge minutes this season, I think, has been a help. And then I mean, again, Demar and Zach have not missed much time either. Same way with Pat. Uh, so like the fact that those guys have been available has been every game. Helpful. Yeah, Pat Will hasn't missed a game. Yeah, which has been my favorite thing about this season. He's on track to play all eighty-two. So 
Uh, yeah, the Bulls have had to like dig it, like I feel like the last couple of years, like the Bulls have had to like dig deep into like the end of their rotation to like play it, like for consist the consistently play guys, and like they have not had to like rely on like two way players to play. Like obviously, some of the end of their rotation is also terrible and shouldn't have been here, but like they luckily have not had to. It was like imagine if they did have to like actually play Marco or like t- when they had Tony Bradley. Or if they did have to play like Jones at the center, like a lot, lot more. Like the fact that Vooch, Demar, and Zach have been there and Pat all season uh, has been very helpful for them, kind of just like staying afloat here. Yeah, totally. So, in terms of the Bulls' long term future and how they actually build like a championship level team, we probably shouldn't think too hard about it, Jason, because no. the Bulls themselves don't think too hard about it. They're not right. trying to win the championship. I've been saying it for two years. <laughs> you have. They're just trying to make the playoffs. So if they get into the playoffs, I would like to see a good playoff series. If they get into the playoffs. Yeah, they get, get in. Like, obviously, don't want to see them get fucking pounded. Like, I want to see competitive basketball. Like, they were embarrassed. Like, they were, they were close those first two games against Milwaukee. And then they were legit embarrassed three games in a row. Like, don't want to see that happen. Like, at least play some competitive games, even though if we expect them to lose. And I don't think they can compete against Milwaukee. So, for these 11 games left in the season, they have to close... Eight and three, seven and four. You got to close strong to try to get up to that eight seed because Quinn Snyder is not coming in and saving the Atlanta Hawks. Hawks they are sputtering. They, they suck. They're sputtering. Yeah. Raptors so suck too. Eight, you're down one game from the Hawks with 11 to play. And they play the Hawks. They have, there is one more game against the Hawks and it's at home. Yep. And dude, if they get like, if they got to play the Raptors, as a win two to get in, brutal. and then you put the box. That's fucking brutal. Like at that point, yeah. like I'd rather take my chances in the lottery. Yeah. So Bulls, if you're gonna be about it, let's see it. And let's see you go on a little run here. You know, they haven't won four games in a row the entire damn year, and now they're on a three-game winning streak, which is tied for the longest winning streak in the NBA at the moment. So can the Bulls actually get a four-game winning streak? What a miracle that would be. And uh, yeah, let's go inverse the last year. We're beating good teams, closing strong, staying healthy, and let's see the Bulls put up a competitive first round series. That would be fun. If you know they're not going to have a lottery pick, at least just give us something entertaining to watch. Yeah, for sure. And the idea of the Bulls building a championship level team, well, I don't know. I don't know how that. <laughs> so just yeah. get over. It. Yeah. So yeah. Bulls did get Javante back, by the way. Good to see him back on the court. Uh, he didn't play much yesterday, but he obviously he's, he's going to be super limited. I don't know how much he'll actually play the rest of the season, but good to see him at least back, unlike Lonzo. So let's quick here, we'll just wrap up with, uh, we like I said, we have not talked about Lonzo yet. Your thoughts on the Lonzo situation other than that? I mean, it's just going to be like the same thing. It's super sad, but uh, just fucking brutal, man. I mean, just brutal for his for him and his career. Uh, the Bulls, like, I feel like at this, uh, it seems like they're gonna try to hang on to him, but like having like his salary on the books when he is probably not gonna play for them ever again is tough. Like, I don't know why they just don't do the. I mean, I guess like they just don't want to go down that road yet for like the career-ending whatever salary relief. But it's like, what the fuck, man? Like, just the what is it? A cartilage 
uh, re- not replacement. What was the wording Trans- that they used? Cartilage transplant. Transplant. Yeah, like I was just like, what the fuck is that, man? Like, what? And I think I said it, it saw that it was had been done like one or two other times, like in NBA history, and like whoever that was never played in the NBA again. Not it was oh, not it a was, player. It was Jordan Adams, who I was a big fan of coming out of UCLA. UCLA. Another UCLA guy. <laughs> Back in the day. Yeah, did he play with Zach? He might have played with Zach. I don't know. I can't remember. He was a very unathletic guard who was really crafty. I like Jordan Adams' game back in the day. Makes me think of my old buddy Charks. Charks loved Jordan Adams coming out of the coming out of UCLA back in the day. Uh, but he had this, and he never got back on the floor. His yeah. body just broke down. Lonzo's body just broke down. So, Jason, enlighten me and enlighten our listeners. And I'm putting you on the spot. Okay. What option do the Bulls have in terms of this career-ending like uh, thing that they could get from the league that would potentially they pay Lonzo, but then they he doesn't count against the cap? I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure that's uh, it. But I think Lonzo I, resume his career with another team if that happens. Like, what are what what's that whole thing? About? I am honestly not totally sure. You did put me on the spot, and I don't have that off the top of my head. He's like. I think like this happened with like Chris Bosh, like when he had the blood, bl- the blood clot thing, uh, when with the Heat was I think he was on a pretty big contract. Um, I know Cody has like tweeted about, uh, kind of the rule book, the CBA, and and I don't have it right in front of me, but basically I think they would have to determine that maybe it's like just like a big chance that he wouldn't play again. And there's also just the I guess they could also just next season do the whatever the disabled player exception, if they just want to go that route, if they don't want to go the, the career ending route yet and get like fully off the books, because if you do the disabled player exception, you get a certain amount. Uh, I can't remember how much it, exactly it is. You get a certain amount that you could use to whatever, I think sign somebody or to whatever, use that as like a trade exception. So maybe they do that next year. They did not do it this year, clearly because they didn't, they weren't going to use it because they weren't going to go into the luxury tax um i think it would have been like five or six million or something like that i don't know if it'd be the same next year but the like the options you have with lonzo you have i feel like you have to do something with that salary slot you just can't let it sit there uh so either disabled player exception or if like i guess you're gonna have all the rest of whatever the rest of this season and then in the off season see how it's going with his rehab if there's no improvement you might just have to go down that road and it's just not gonna happen for him which again like the reporting out there is like Basically, they've said, oh, they're doing this operation with like because they hope that this is like it's basically like the last gasp effort for him. And they're hoping that they can play, but it's an uphill battle. And it's just who knows? I don't think anyone knows right now if he can actually play again. So it's totally up in the air. Seems like they want to at least keep him on the books. Um, again, maybe they just go for like next season, they see how the rehab's going, and then maybe they make a determination there at the start of next year. But it's obviously just a terrible situation for him. Super Dude, unlucky they, for the Bulls. They need some cap relief because right. you know we can talk about how they suck and they can't do anything. But like, if you got a guy who's making twenty million a year, just not giving anything years after yeah. this, one and he can't play, that just totally short circuits what you're trying to accomplish. Right. I pray that they're the way to get over this for them isn't trade more future first round picks. Right. Because we did that, or you know, they did that already. They still owe one in twenty five after this year, and it's too much. It's yeah. too much. You can't right. keep doing. It. Yeah. So, yeah, find a way to get some cap relief on Lonzo, man. Because sad stuff. I mean, I wrote the big thing on Lonzo. Beyond being a loss for the Bulls, Jason, it's a 
it's a loss for basketball. It's a loss for the NBA. Lonzo was a fucking cool player, and there was no one really like him. And it was sick that you know him and his brother were both able to make the league from where they came from and become really good players. And Lonzo is a great testament to internal improvement and uh, you know getting better year over year. I think what did Lonzo shoot from the free throw line his rookie year? I want to say it was like 40% or 45% or maybe it was, I know it was at least in the forties or fifties from the free throw line. And then he became one of the better high volume three point shooters in the league. So Lonzo's game was so awesome. It's sad for the bulls, but it's much sadder for Lonzo and for the league on a personal level because he was really entertaining to watch and, uh, the Bulls should give him his money and move on and try to find a way to clear that cap space. And just how can you count on him if he misses two and a right. half seasons? Right. You can't do it. To answer your question, 45.1% from the line as a rookie, 41.7 in the second season, and his three point percentage was in the low 30s. So it was bad. But then he jumped up to 56.6 and then 78.1. And then 75.0. And obviously, he became one of the better three point shooters in the league. It just totally like revamped his shot uh, and became a really good player. Like a really fun, really unique player. And it just, at this point, just does not seem like he's going to play in the NBA ever again, which would really be a bummer. But hopefully, just got to cross our fingers that this surgery works. Again, even if he does come back, he won't be the same player. But, um, Oh, it would be great to see him on the court again, even if it's not if he's in limited limited fashion, or even even if he's not on the Bulls. Again, the Bulls probably do need to look look to move on here. But if he gets back on the end in the NBA in any capacity in the future, I think it would be a, has to be considered a win. Because like this, at this point, if they could trade him, definitely trade him. Yeah, I don't see who would take him. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, if I was he, thinking about that at the trade deadline. Like we're trying to figure out moves to make. It's like. Do you try to trade Lonzo's twenty million and and the first round pick to get something better? Because that's just a big salary ballast that you can use uh, to match salaries. But I'm assuming other teams probably were like, I mean, this guy's not coming back at all. They have n- they're no no interest in taking on that contract when there's such an uh, uncertainty around him. And now we know exactly why because he's probably not going to play next year already. So I don't know how anyone you could trade that contract at all um, unless you're giving up assets with it and i don't think you could you you can't do that don't trade him in that 2027 pick just to get off him uh you'd have to whatever ask for the other the relief another way and then the other thing i was thinking about was uh you know they're so close to the luxury tax line and that's why they basically decided not to make any moves is they took (laughs) out a little bit of money in the luxury tax part of me was thinking well can't you pay two million dollars in luxury tax who cares but of course, the real reason they you don't, don't get the money, the payout, you get a check for yeah. fourteen million dollars or whatever it is, basically from the Steve Ballmer and uh, Joe Lacob. Yeah, Joe Lacob. So Jerry Reinsdorf, f you, man. Well, and the Bulls. It was I know Woj reported last week that um, uh, the Bulls pay money into the revenue sharing because they make a shit ton of run revenue. So they get a ton of money. So like the big market teams, even if they're not paying tax, they pay into the league's revenue sharing system. And I think it was like 11 million bucks. So like they need that tax, the luxury tax money to even that out. So they get the tax check. They they send out their revenue sharing money, but then they get the luxury tax money uh, back to kind of even that out. So it works out perfectly for them. Oh, God. Anyways, 
We should probably wrap it up here. We look for, we can look ahead here real quick. Again, a rematch against the Sixers. How funny would it be if whatever they go, they lose their first 12 against Joel Embiid, and then they beat them twice in a row. That'd be kind of hilarious. I mean, the Bulls are playing much better right now. They're back at home. They got a home game tomorrow against the Sixers. And then I kind of mentioned some of this before, but I believe it's Friday in Portland. And again, Portland is totally tanking the rest of their, their season. They might shut Dame down pretty soon. Dame, again, though, dangerous. Playing in Portland, if Dame is playing, that's a game the Bulls could easily lose if Dame goes for whatever, 40 or 50 points. Like That's that's not a gimme win. Then we got at L.A. for a matinee against the Lakers on Sunday. Uh, you concern yourself about the night out, a Saturday night, night out in L.A. and then a matinee against the Lakers on Sunday afternoon. I mean, that's a recipe for just a weird-ass game and maybe a hungover team. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Then they play at the uh, they play at LA again this this time against the Clippers on Monday night, and then on Wednesday they come back home and they play the Lakers. So a really kind of interesting schedule here coming up for the Bulls with the Sixers again, with at Portland, and then at Lakers at Clippers versus Lakers. So a lot of these, I mean, these should be pretty fun games. Again, no LeBron for the Lakers. I'm pretty sure will not be back by then. But uh, again, if ADs plays. The Lakers are also battling for a play-in playoff spot, whatever you want to call it. They're going to be desperate. The Clippers have been starting to play a little better, even with Russ there. Uh, again, in Sixers, Portland, these should be some pretty fun games to watch. So um, we'll see what happens. We'll see if the Bulls can keep this up um, as they continue their own play-in push. So, Rick, you got anything else? Can we wrap it up here? Wrap it up. Um, all right. That'll do it for us here for this episode of Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast, as always. Shout out to the Blue Wire Network as we come down the stretch of this NBA season. Tons of great coverage all across the Blue Wire Network, NBA, and of course, all the other pods all across the Blue Wire Network. For us here at Cash Considerations, Chicago Bulls Podcast, you can please rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all those good places. You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore J. You can follow Ricky at SB underscore Ricky. Follow all this stuff at SB Nation, especially with the NCAA tournament going on right now. Uh, he's got a ton of stuff there. I, of course, got to watch my Illinois fighting line. I stink in the first round as I expected they would with a nice, terrible exit. Plenty of fun up upsets, though, as always in this tournament. Uh, so good stuff there. Again, go follow Ricky's NBA, NCAA tournament, NBA draft stuff with that come, uh, that kind of stuff, the prospects in there, all that good stuff. Um, and a fun little note here. I'm going to go meet our guy. A shout out to our guy, Mark Karen Sulis of CHGO, making his first trip to uh chicago he's been he's uh, clearly the reason behind this bulls run it's been mark mark's uh first trip to chicago i'm about to go meet him here tonight after recording this podcast i'm gonna meet him and our guy will both of them doing great coverage for chgo and covering the bulls there so that'll be fun to see them um it'll be cool so that's gonna do it for us here on this episode of cash considerations a chicago bulls podcast we'll talk to you guys next time Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, 
Access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.